Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. You guys are a happy group of people. I'm telling you. Wow. This is awesome. What a privilege it is, honestly, to come out and um, be able to share a word with all of you. And it was true. We did meet uh, Leo and Christine and the other uh, four, five, right? Yeah, they all came in, and we had a house load already. There must have been about, I'm not kidding you, 11 to 12 people in our home. And people kept coming in because it was like during the equip time and that type of thing. And they kept seeing new faces. And they asked, do all these people live here? Well, most of them do, but some of them don't. It's just kind of how it is. But it's been an awesome privilege uh, just to know them and to be around them. And also to be able to come into here because the partnerships are incredible. You know, we talk about them, we speak about those things, but when you actually connect out of your own time zone, out of your own land that you walk on, it's a whole different story. But I do want to say this, coming into places like this, knowing people like Leo and Christine, the elders too as well, and and just being invited and welcomed, it's absolutely incredible. There's a safety net that happens when you come in like that because you don't know. I mean, I could go to a place that you guys say, hey, don't go there. But with people around you that are caring for you, it makes all these things possible. And the best thing about it is we do it in the name of Jesus, don't we? Amen? So everyone just say Jesus. 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 And you're all still standing. So do they sit down or do I stand up? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Because I'm kind of wondering what? Wow. I've never preached a bunch of people just standing up in an auditorium like this out in the street. Yes, yes. I'm going to just share around community and actually about being a healing community. It's very, very special to me because when I came into the kingdom, I came in with smoke on my clothes, honestly. I gave my life to Jesus at age 30, and all the time before there, I actually lived for darkness. I honestly did. I thought I was a pretty good person, but you know how that is. Just everything for myself and what I wanted to do. It almost ruined my marriage during that time. I have a wonderful wife. We've been married now for 36 years, and yeah, and going strong. And we have a 36-year-old, 35-year-old, yeah, 36-year-old, and we have a 20-year-old. She just turned 20, so we have a a, quite a big a gap. We had the second one. The, the doctor said, hey, if you have this one, the planets would have to align. And they actually did, and we had another one. So it's been really, really cool. But if you would with me, if you'd go ahead and turn to uh, Revelation 22. And there's one thing about this. You can't have Jesus and have without heaven. And you can't have heaven without Jesus, right? So everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. But the key is, is that you really don't die. You go from one glory to the next. Amen. And although we can't say, geez, I can't wait till my heart stops beating. But I can say this. I can't wait till I meet Jesus. Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus. Doesn't this put a smile on your face? It just absolutely does. Anytime you're getting down or whatever it is, say Jesus. And I'm telling you, you're going to brighten up in your face. Amen. Amen. So in Revelation 22.1, it says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne room of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great uh, street of the city. Each, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. 
beautiful thing, the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree are in the healings of the nation. I'm going to come back to that right now. Let me read a little bit further. No longer will there be any curses. Isn't that kind of cool? The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. His servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their forehead. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Amen to that. And they will reign forever and ever. I don't know what that means to you, but forever and ever is a long time, isn't it? Forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophet, sent his angels to show his servant the things that must soon take place. And he says, behold, he says, I am coming soon. When I read a verse like that, my mind goes all over the place because I'm coming soon. Well, this thing was written thousands of years ago. But I do know this. Today, we're a lot closer of him coming back than not. And I want to say this right now. Because of all the concern in the world today with what's gone on, and there should be a concern like Leo was saying, the truth of the matter is, is there's your neighbors, relatives, and friends that are out there that are considering what might happen if they come down with something that's irreversible. And I want to say this to you. It's a prime time to say Jesus to somebody. It's a prime time to give them comfort and say, hey, look, do you know where you're going after this eternity? Like Leo mentioned, each of us have a burp in time. There's a time when God's breathed his breath into us, and there's a time that will expire, and we don't know when that is. Hopefully later for many reasons. But I want to ask you a question, and you can just internalize this. If Jesus came back today, tonight, right, before your 5 o'clock meeting, okay, would your life be interrupted? Would you sit there and say, wait a minute, I still need to drive, I need to get married, I have kids. Listen, I have a down payment on a home. Can I get that first? I've asked that question to those that are a little bit older than me, because I'm like 35 right now, right? So, <laughs> why, see? <laughs> People don't believe me, right, Christine? Yeah. But I've asked, and even the younger, my daughter, 20 years old, she flips out. She says, hey, wait, why am I even going to school if he's coming back? So there's all these different things, but I want to say this. He is coming back, and it does say in the scriptures that he is, and he says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps his word of the prophecy in this book. And then I love this because it's an eyewitness account. Eyewitness account. And John says this, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. So let me share this with you, church. Over the past decade, the statistics that I'm going to give to you right now really haven't changed much. There are still over 7 billion plus people on the planet, could be a little bit more, and 50% of them have never heard the gospel in a way they can understand, in a way that they can understand. And over the next 12 months, around the globe, 60 million people will die. 60 million people will slip into eternity without Jesus or maybe with Jesus, but 60 million would die. That's without any of the virus that talks going on or anything new that will come up, just by natural causes and an expiration of life. Amen? Now, out of that 60 billion, million, 37 million are non-Christian deaths. 37 million. And 15 million plus have never had any contact with a Christian ever. Ever. This is a big gospel that needs to spread and it takes people like you and I to be able to do that you guys live in a blessed nation 
I walked around here. It's an absolute blessing. Your worst day is better than most around the world as it is within the U.S. And God put me in the U.S. and God put you here, but he put you here to be a blessing to the nations, to the nations. And yes, it's your neighbor, but yes, it's across the border cities and other places that God would send you. And I realize not everybody goes, but everybody should have a heart for the things that Jesus has a heart for. Wouldn't you say that? Amen? So, 15 million had any contact with Christ ever. Places like India, which I know there's some movement from this church into there. Indonesia, China, Cuba is opening up uh, to the NCMI family. Uh, uh, Dominican Republic is, is, is hungry for the U.S. to go in, for Australians to go in, for people around the world to go in and make a deposit into that nation. They're hungry right now, and it looks like doors will be opening up. And recently, I just had the privilege of going into Haiti. I went into Haiti about two, two months ago. The national religion in Haiti has changed, but it was, it's, it's voodoo. It's voodoo. Now, all the movies and things that you've seen, honestly, it's true. It's even worse than that. Not all the fake stuff going on, but people actually giving themselves to the dark arts and magic arts and so on and so forth. So I had a privilege to be able to go into that. And I don't know, were you able to get some of the pictures up there or were you not? If, that's, if you weren't, that's okay, I'll move forward. No? Okay. No worries. So I met this guy by the name of Marcel. This guy is 70 years old, okay? And I met him about three years ago at one of the NCMI conferences in the U.S. We had the privilege... Gracious Living Church of hosting that for the last three years. And this year, of course, it's the world equipped that we're going to. But I had the privilege of meeting him. And he says, Joe, I want to invite you to come to my country. And I thought, sure, that's okay, cool. And I thought, I'm not going to that country. <laughs> Voodoo and this and that and cutting chickens' heads off, the whole nine yards, all that stuff, right? But he asked me to come. So two years later, three years later now, we just go ahead and we go. Well, when we go there, we get there, and there's this vast plane of people that are all over the place. And if I had some of the shots, it would be interesting to see. But basically, it's, it's ruined. It looked like somebody went in and dropped a bomb in the streets because the streets that are paved here, there's nothing but rock and dirt and so on and so forth. In their meeting times, there's witch doctors, daughters that are coming in, witch doctors, sons that are coming in, trying to get set free from all the stuff that happens. And they do, and then they go home, and then they get kind of hexed again, and they come back again. So this guy's been uh, ministering into this place for the last 40 years. 40, yeah, just about 40 years. He's 70 now. He started at 25, so a little bit more than that. And it's just incredible because he keeps pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. From that, he has, a, he has a church, right? He has a church that they built brick by brick. He also has a school that they built brick by brick. And in Haiti, the school doesn't exist really out there unless it's paid Unless you be able to pay out of your pocket and really through bribes for the public system. So his system is a system that he brings to anybody that wants to come in. They leave orphans at the, at the doorstep, babies, they've left them babies. It's an incredible, this guy has an incredible heart. If you ever meet him, you're going to absolutely fall in love with him. He's a very, very godly man. But as I went in there, I looked in the school. We went to the school and to the, um, uh, to the church area was on the same property. And there was this small shack-like built and they had this mural on there, beautiful by the people in Haiti, beautiful people. And on there, it was all, all decked out and everything else. And I said, well, what is that? It can't just be for a mural. He goes, no, there's a well in there. I said, a well? He said, yeah, there's a well in there on the premises. He goes, you know, Joe, when the earthquake happened about two, three years ago, all the wells in Haiti around his area, they failed. 
which meant that the water, they couldn't get to fresh water, okay? But on the church school property, guess what? The well didn't fail, okay? Now, at that time, Marcel had a choice. What he could have done is he could have either started bagging the water, which they do and they sell it, right? Like they do here for bottles and that, but sell it a great time for a profit. Or he could give it back to the people, and not just the people inside the local church, but into the community. See, he wanted to be a healing community just like you want to be a healing community. So what does he do? He gets a pipe. He hooks it into his well. He puts it to the outside of the fence, which has razor wire and everything else. He puts it to the outside. He does a pump out there, and the people start coming in and getting water for two years, two and a half years. Finally, two and a half, three years later, the well has dried. They're digging another well, and he's going to put two pumps now on either side for people to come get water. But let me say this to you. That church doubled in size. Doubled in size. There's about 12 to 1,500 people now that are coming into that church. And this is why, because he cared about people. Whether they came into the church or not, glory to God, absolutely, he cared about people. And that's what being a healing community is all about. And I want to say this, that water represents what? The Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of Holy Spirit in here. You hear what I'm saying? So we not only get to get what we have inside here, but we need to bring a pipeline and bring it out to the city of Sydney, don't we? Amen. So this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to speak a little prophetically. And you see, I believe that the leaves of the tree that I just read in Revelation uh, 22, they're an extension of God's hands here on the earth. That's us, an extension of Jesus' hands here on the earth. And um, what I'd like to see and what I'd like to show you this morning is that through that extension, he's going to reach every tribe, every tongue, every nation. In other words, God wants his church, right, to be a healing community, a healing community to where God has placed you at. Amen? Because we know we're, not, we're the church. It's not the buildings. We know all that. I'm sure it's been spoken about all in here. But if Marcel hadn't done what he'd done, his church would have been happy, but the people out there would have been, what a bunch of hoarders. They got fresh water, and they can't even put it outside here. Well, I want to say this to the community. The things that they, you guys experience in here, they need to experience it when people start coming to your homes. Maybe this home church thing is something that's going to be vibrant and just explode. So get ready. Get ready. Amen? So if you would, turn with me to uh, Numbers 35. And I'd just like to share this, this quick passage here because this goes all the way back into the Old Testament and then translate into being a healing community into the New Testament. And it's Numbers uh, 35, 9, and this is what it reads. It says, and it says, a healing community, yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, right, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, and I just love the prophetic word that was given here, like release, freedom. It's time now. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome word that you got. It says, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your city of refuge to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. There will be a place of refuge. From the Avengers, so that person accused of murder may not die before he stands trial before the assembly. These six towns you give will be your city of refuge. So we know that Jesus Christ is our high priest, right? Well, in those days, the high priest, as long as the high priest is alive and you went in there and just say you were caught 
to be free. You know, you didn't kill somebody purposely, but you went in there. You got to stay in there and be safe. But after the high priest died, it was over. It was time for you to move on, and somebody could actually come get you. But you see, with Jesus Christ being our high priest today, and he never dies, right? He never dies. There's no one coming to go get you. You are freed from your sin. You are freed from the things that you did before. God has set you free. Amen to the glory of God. So what I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to give you just four traits of what this healing community would look like that we're all a part of. Amen? So the first one is love with action. That's the first trait. It's love with action. Without love, what do people know? Honestly, if they can't see our love for one another, who would come here? Sometimes I've heard, I heard people say from the outside, I get more love at the pubs. That's what they'll say. Or if something happens to me, I don't get all smashed on by people that I know. It's the church that comes back after me. And I get it and I understand. And we want people to actually grow and be set free. But there's got to be a point of release in a person's life to understand that they truly are forgiven. And that's what the healing community is all about. Your local expression of love here in this, in this wonderful city that you're in is incredible. It gives people an opportunity here to actually feel the love of Jesus in a very tangible way. Amen? So Luke gives us this beautiful picture of what the early church was like in its simplest form. And church, this passage we're about to read says that these people lack nothing. And I don't know about you, but lacking nothing is a pretty big concept to me. Lacking nothing is a pretty big concept to me. So if you will, turn to Acts 2.42. It's nothing that you haven't heard or haven't read before, but it's more of a reminder of why God has you and why God hasn't taken you where he is and left you here in order to impact others that are coming around you. Amen? So let's take a look at this. Dr. Luke writes this in 2.42. He says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? To the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone say awe. Awe. Everyone was filled with awe. Did I say awe right? Okay. Awe. Okay. Water, water. You know, we got the whole thing going here. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Many wonders and miraculous signs. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, that's incredible. I mean, to have as many people to come in here and you all have everything in common is pretty incredible. Because you know what it's like just trying to figure out where you're going to go have dinner at, right? Right? So you come here together. It's because of what the camaraderie of the Holy Spirit brings that we're able to say, yes, we can unify around the things that God's unifying around. Amen? Amen. So then in verse 44, it says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. You may have two or three meetings, and you may think, my God, this is a lot. Every day, they mend the temple courts. Remember, these people were not self-sufficient. They had work. They had business. They worked in fields. They did their things. They came home, and then they went to their meetings every day. And even more so as the day approaches, in Hebrews at least, it says. And then every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number dailies those that were being saved. On April 12th, everyone say April 12th. That's Easter Sunday. Did you know that? April 12th. I only say that because April just, it, 
Easter just kind of jumps around, doesn't it? Last year it was like the end of March, and this year it's April 12th, and I'm sitting there in the U.S. and thinking, okay, what day is it going to be in Australia? No, it's got to be the 12th. Easter's the same day because you're actually a day ahead of us. So I got to see the response into the, the church and all that, so I'm going to take some of that message and bring it back to mind because they're going to meet in about five or six hours. So I'm good on this side, you know, into the future instead of back to the future, right? So April 12th, right? And you see, this is what I know about this, is that right now, and hear this, God is saying church to your family, friends, and relatives. He's saying church. And there's a lot of different commercials and, and other uh, programs that are being set out, and it's being given to people to understand that Easter Sunday's coming. Even the marketing, where they want you to go in and buy these other things that don't relate to Jesus Christ whatsoever, it's still out there. It's free advertisement. So they're saying church right now. God's saying church right now. So this is an opportune time to say, hey, look, are you concerned about what's going on? Let me take you, let me read you a little bit about Matthew 24. Let me show you what the Bible says about the last days. Now, we're not exactly right there yet, but we're heading to those things. And I want to tell you, your friends, neighbors, and relatives, the person that's kind of avoided you, they want to hear from you right now. They honestly do. They want to make some sense about what's going on because they're not wondering, hey, geez, what happens if I'm the 0.33333% that doesn't recover from something that's going on right now? Then what happens? A good opportunity to use those times. So church, what it's about is loving, caring, releasing, healing, compassionate power of God into people's lives. That's what a healing community is all about. So the first thing, like I said, is love with action. It's showing the love, actually getting out there and doing something with what God has given you. Amen? The second thing here is that they witnessed with wonders. They witnessed with wonders. The power of God is present. It's present in your life. It's present in my life. It's present in all of our lives. And we don't have to beg for it because God wants to reach people, and he's using your hands and my hands in order to do so. Amen? So they witnessed with wonders. In other words, they received Jesus... And proclaim Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, in their communities and outside their communities. And please hear that. They received it in their community, which this is a community here, but they also released it outside of their communities. So they did both things in the book of Acts as we're looking. This is why the early church was, was a force to be reckoned with. Its focus was pointed in a singular, radical and powerful direction. They knew that without the power of God, they wouldn't make it the next day. There was so much persecution going on in this early church that if they weren't looking for more people to add to their numbers, they could get wiped out. So they would just come in and talk about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them. And do you want to get healed? Well, I look at, I don't know if I can, but let me bring you to somebody else. Just like today, the healing community that God's provided in this place operates in the same way. So their purpose was to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. How many of you heard that? To know Jesus and to make Jesus known. What a simple statement. It's too simple. But that's exactly what people want to hear. They're tired of hearing about church. Church lets them down. But no one has ever said, Jesus has let me down. I've not met one where they said, nope, Jesus has let me down. They'll say, I got in fight with the church. Uh, my, my, you know, my aunt or uncle doesn't talk to me because of it or whatever. But they'll never say anything about Jesus. So the early church was on about making Jesus known. 
to know him and to make him known. So on one occasion, Peter and John were about to be given an opportunity to do just that. So the things that I'm speaking about, they were starting to do way back when, when the church started happening, the New Testament church. So if you would, turn with me to Acts 3, and we'll take a look at 1 through 8, and we'll see how far we get from here. Amen? So Acts 3, Dr. Luke writes this. He says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon, okay, to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. They had prayer services. They had prayer meetings. They were going to prayer. These guys are the apostles of the power of God's resting on them. They want to go and get with everybody else so they can pray. Why? Because there's a great connection in there. And that's where God works amongst all the people. Not just a few, but all the people. As they approached the temple, listen to this. A man lame from birth was being carried in. So each day he was put aside the temple gates, the one called the beautiful gate. Then in verse 3 it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. He asked them for some money. He seen these guys coming in. Maybe he knew where they were. I don't know, but he asked them for some money. So Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. Now the guy's down there, right? He's been put there all the time. He's got a license to beg. Everyone knows why he's there. This guy says, look at me. So this guy's thinking, it's money time. This guy's going to give me a bunch of money. I mean, I would be thinking that because I'm there to collect money. I'm not there to get healed. I'm not there for anything else, but I need something so that I can survive. So this is what Peter and John, as they looked at him intently, and Peter said this, look at us, verse 5. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said this, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I give you what I have. No silver and gold, but I'll give you what I have. And my question is, what do you have? I don't have this, Joe. I don't have that, Joe. But what do you have? And if you have Jesus inside of you, that's what people need. And if you have a few bucks to go along with that, even better. But people need Jesus. People need Jesus. Easter Sunday's around the road. And let me tell you, people need Jesus. So he says, silver or gold, I don't have. He says, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he says, get up and walk. This is what he tells him. Then after he said, get up and walk, the guy didn't jump up. The guy was there. Get up and walk. Because we pray for people. You're, you know, we pray for them, maybe uh, a leg or whatever, and we tell them, okay, we prayed for you. We'll be praying for you, and we leave them sitting in the chair. But this is what Peter does, okay? Get up and walk. Then in verse 7, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, right? And he helped him up. So he told him, get up and walk. And then he goes down there and he helps him up. Extending his faith and hearing the man saying, hey, look, at you've got money? No, I've got Jesus. The guy looked at him, Jesus, I need money. No, here. And he pulls him up, right? Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Instantly healed and strengthened, right? So what does the man do? He jumps up. He stood on his feet. He began to walk. And then he walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now, I've always wondered this. What happens if this guy, he gets him up, pulls him up, and you get healed? You haven't walked. You have a license to beg. And I pull you up. And you, what you do after is you go home. You go home and tell your family. Your family goes, geez, what happened? And that's it. 
No, this guy didn't do that. What happens down here, as I read further, is that he goes where they are. He's telling other people about what Jesus did in his life. And I think many times we take a look and we get healed, and it happens at our church, and three weeks later somebody says, Oh, Joe, remember, by the way, when you prayed for us? Yeah, well, my arm that I couldn't lift up anymore, it, I can lift it now. I said, three weeks? Three weeks? Really? That the testimony is so powerful that when God does something in your life and he wants to, he wants you to tell the world about it, honestly. Whatever he's done for you. Some people will say, well, you know what? If he did it, and what happens if he didn't, then I'm lying. No, you're not. Right now you feel healed, then you tell people and you testify with where they are. And you say, hey, Jesus heals. Let me pray for you. So I've prayed for people, and nothing's happened. I've prayed for them again, and nothing's happened. And I've prayed for them again, and nothing's happened. But it doesn't stop me from praying for people. Because sometimes I've done that, and things do happen. I once prayed for a guy out in Mexico with Cure Taylor. Has Cure ever been through here? Kind of a, okay, an evangelist on the NCMI team. Very much so, very powerful man. He asked me to go up and pray for this guy who's laying in a hospital bed, and he has a death wrap on him. A death wrap. I looked it on Google. I couldn't believe it. I thought, would they have this dead guy in here with all these other people that are still alive? They're all messed up. These people, if they don't get healed, they're going to die. And he says, Joe, let's lay hands on him. So we lay hands on him, nothing happens. We walk away, he says, Joe, come on back, let's lay hands on him. We laid hands on him again. So we're walking over here, and all of a sudden, whoop, this guy, he sits up. And the death wrap falls down off of him. The guy's eyes are this big. I'm looking at him thinking, oh, my gosh, what do we do? All right? Because I'm a man of faith. I was waiting for him to get up any moment now, right? So I asked Cure, what do we do? He says, Joe, let's get out of here before they start asking questions. I thought, geez, we need to call the media in. You know, what's going on? So we leave cold blue, all this in Spanish, and then people start rushing in there. I don't know. So I call him the kind of dead guy because I never checked his pulse. All I know is he was death wrapped and he wasn't moving. And God did heal that man, or whatever it was, miraculously to the glory of God. So in Acts 20 24, Paul states this he says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Easter is around the corner. Let me tell you, if you're not an evangelist, that's okay, because we need to do the work of an evangelist. And Easter is such an easy time, an easy time. I was talking with Leo yesterday, and I said, do you have any cards that you can pass out? He says, yeah, I do. So it's so easy. It's statistically proven. If you go into a room and no one has a glass of water or anything, people normally don't talk. You always get those that are able to push through anything. But you put a glass of water, okay, or something else in a person's hand, right, then all of a sudden they want to talk about everything. So the natural thing is when you go up to a person, you say, would you come to church on Sunday? Would you? Here's an invitation. You want to grab it? There you go. Yeah. That's it. That's the invitation right there. It's a bridge. And let me tell you, people are used to getting those. Why? Because you have birthday parties, right? You have anniversary parties. You have invites to your home, housewarmings, all these different things. Once you hand somebody something, they feel obligated to do something with it. So you leave it in their hand. And I'll tell you, if they don't show up on Easter, they're going to show up the week after or the week after or the week after. Amen? So with Easter around the corner, this is what I call a big day. And a big day is this. It's an all-out push 
towards a single Sunday for the purpose of reaching as many people as possible for Jesus. That's what a big day is. And let me tell you something. We all have big days. Like I said, we have birthdays. We have wedding days. We have anniversaries. I asked one couple, I said, what do you do? They had some small kids. How much does a birthday party cost you? They said, well, if it's just a little bit, maybe two, $300. But it can go up to $500. I'm thinking, oh, my God. So there's a lot of pouring into it because it's a big day. My child just turned one. My child just turned five. My child turned 18. I'm buying him a car. Oh, okay. I didn't get a response in there. <laughs> but big days are common around the globe. But guess what? God has big days, too. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, God had had big days. This is not new. This is one of God's strategies. I'm just saying this to you because it's there for you already. You're either going to capitalize on it or you're going to let another Easter go by. But let me say this. In Genesis 1 and 2, there was creation. It's a pretty big day, right? Would you say creation was a pretty big day? A lot of things happened during that time. How about the Red Sea in Exodus when they passed through it? A couple million people? I think that was a pretty big day. Hey, everyone packed their stuff. We're leaving, right? Big day. God did it. He likes to do stuff like that, right? Then in Acts uh, 1 and 2, there's others, but Acts 1 and 2 on Pentecost. I think Pentecost was a pretty big day, 3,000 people and so getting saved, giving their lives to Christ. And then in 2 Peter 3.13, they talk about the new heaven and the new earth. I think that's a pretty big day when that happens. And let me tell you, it's around the corner, right? Because behold, Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen? So, what if GGC, I love the initials GGC, it's like the BBC, GGC. We're GLC, I love that too. But yeah, GGC, that's awesome, honestly, it's great. Is it possible that GGC can double on Easter Sunday? Is it possible? Twice of whatever you have on a regular attendance, that you would have twice as many people coming in on Sunday. Let me tell you why. Because God is already saying church to your friends, family, neighbors, and even your enemies. He's saying church to right now. It's in their heart. It's there. They just need someone to unlock it, and the Holy Spirit wants to unlock it through you and through me. Amen? So can you see now why a big day is one of the best ways to break out of our routine that we have? You know, and into our communities. And friends, it's one of, the God's, one of God's proven strategies that he's done all through time. I gave you a couple things. You can read about it. There's certain times when God pours out his spirit and people respond. Certainly, there's certain times. And I'm telling you, in the face of disaster or tragedy or uncertainty, man, that's when people's ears. The, the people that have fallen away from God, they're thinking, oh, my God, what's, what's protecting me right now? What's protecting me right now? Amen? Amen. So, a big day, breaking into the communities. It's one of God's strategies, and they use it from the beginning of time. So there's a goal in that. This is the goal of the big day. Let me tell you, this is it right here. Right? It's to reach new people. To reach new people that have never heard the gospel message. That's what we want to do more than anything else. To rekindle fire from others? Absolutely. But to reach new people. The second thing a big day is so, is so awesome and I love is it makes the devil mad. How many of you want to make the devil mad? Hey, listen, invite three of your friends. It's going to upset him to no end, right? His little hoofs are going to curl. He's so upset, okay? It makes him mad. The third thing it does, it grows our faith towards being kingdom-minded. It resets ourselves. 
It's kind of like when you go on a computer and you got to hit the reset button to kind of refresh. Nothing works. And the guy, the computer guy that's charging, excuse me, computer guys, that charged you $100 an hour says, just turn it off and on. Okay? Our computer guy does it to me all the time. Just turn it off and on. I'm thinking, why in the world do I need you for to turn it off and on? But there's a purpose for them too as well. And the fourth thing it does, it builds and increases momentum while bringing future encouragement to GGC. And this is why things are taking as long as it is for Jesus to come back. It's this. In 2 Peter 3.9, it states this. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return. Peter writes, he says, and as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So he's giving more time for everyone to repent. One of the things with the gospel message coming and Easter coming, there's going to be new faces. So make room for the new faces. Make room for the people sitting next to you. I got an idea. When they come in, let them sit down. You stand up. Let them come in and hear a gospel message. Let them, let them feel, honestly, the love of Jesus through your hands. So I want to leave you with this, because I have more, but I'm out of time now. If you will invite, now listen, if you will invite three people, in other words, get those cards that I just passed out right now. I know they're out there. Invite three people, okay, to come to the service. Not your aunt or uncles in another country or something like that. I get it. Pray for them. They're important. They need to get to church. But people that you can reach that you know that will come. If you can invite three people and then do this, pray for them. Even set a day of fast in a way for the people that you're praying for to come in. Right? If you'll do that, this church will double in size that day. It'll double in size. And maybe the three that you invite, none of them show up. But I'm telling you, they'll show up later. You never know. One day I said yes. The other day I was running and laughing. And one day pouring tears down my face at age 30. <laughs> and I said yes. I don't even know what I said yes to. I know I said yes to come here and everywhere else. But I'll tell you right now. You take three people, honestly. You write them down. Maybe you put it on your, little, on your card. When you're putting down your information and you're turning it in, maybe everybody should do it. Put down three people's names and say, I want to believe, elders, I'm believing for these people to come in to the service on Easter Sunday. It's, everyone say April 12th. April 12th. Can you stand up for a moment? Marcel met so many people and made so many friends out of putting that pipeline outside. I want to tell you, GGC, your pipeline out here is the Holy Spirit, honestly. And it doesn't need to be with signs, wonders, and miracles, but you'll be surprised when it does happen. But that's your outlet out there. People want to feel the love of God. They don't want to hear about the love of God. They want to, dem they want to see it demonstrated in your life and in my life. And if we'll do so, I'll tell you, the harvest, as they sit here on the stage, will be plentiful and ripe and ready. Thank you, Lord. Can you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Right now, what are the three names that pop inside your mind? And if you don't have them, don't make them up. Ask God for them. But who are they? 
And just say right now between you and God, God, I'm going to invite these people. They've said no to me before, but I'm going to invite them and I want them to come in. God, do something. Do something. This Easter, God, if not now, when? I want to invite them into your presence. I want them to feel how much you love us, God. That you accept us the way you are, but you don't leave us the way we are. Right now, if you've never felt that love, honestly, and you've never given your life to Christ, in the midst of all of heaven right now, between you and God, just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, I've walked away for a period of time, but I want to come back. I understand that you have a great commission and a great call. I know that you love me and you've always loved me. But I know I've done some things. But please forgive me of those things. I don't want to exchange my imperfection for your perfection. Jesus, save me. If that's you right now and you said that, right now your sins are wiped away. Right now, the power of God has come to visit you and is implanted inside of you, and you're able to do the things that we just read about right now. And I want to say this is why, because of God, not because of you or me or anybody else, but because of God. So if that's you right now, just say thank you, Jesus. For the rest of you, I just want to encourage you. April 12th. April 12th. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus. April 12th is Easter. Let's make the devil mad that day. Let's double the attendance in this place. Let's get your family, neighbors, and relatives plugged in and see what God has for them. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you, Lord. And we praise you for who you are, God. May your kingdom come and may your will be done, God. Give me an opportunity, God, to share your goodness. Give me a divine appointment, God, to share your word, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father, bring my aunts and uncles and neighbors and relatives and work associates Father, people that I don't like, give me favor with them. That I might see, they might see your face in the way that I've seen your face, God. Anoint me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen? Give glory to God. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.